Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where the line of morally acceptable behavior is drawn somewhere between stealing your good friend's fiancé because you think he might be a Rockefeller and hiding a box of mixed drugs under your bathroom sink. Book 19. Showdown. Jessica and Lila are in love. Lila? 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 Lila. Jessica and Lila are in love with the same boy. On our cover, though, it's um, it's a little ragged, so it just says, Jessica and Lila are in love with the Sam. <laughs> but this boy's name is not Sam. His it's name not- is Jack. Mm-hmm. And your name is Mark Sullivan. Hi, yes, Mark. it is. Hello. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. Thank you for having me. I'm Mark Sullivan, you are... Uh, as the newest guest on Sweet Valley Diaries, uh, <laughs> the next in a long line of people that are all sort of a jumble together, but the mm-hmm. listeners are not aware. Oh, okay. Um, in episode eight, I think, the one about Bill Chase and the surfing, um, Russ Nickel was my guest. Russ Nickel. And then uh, 11, the first episode of season two, with the one about Suzanne Devlin, listeners, uh, Will Stribling yes, and Will. Sinead Persaud were my guests. Uh-huh. Sinead mentioned a movie called Bear With Us. Bear With Us. Will directed that movie, and Will and Russ co-wrote that movie. That's and right. Mark... I was in Bear With Us. Mark, <laughs> Mark starred in the movie. And... Um, I think another participant in your podcast, Alex Jennings, worked on the film as well. She was there yes. as well. Yeah. She was in one of my favorites, uh, Dear Sister, book seven, which is the one where Elizabeth uh, comes out of a coma and has a different personality. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did it yeah. ever get resolved? <laughs> well, you you tell me, because here we are, uh, 12 books later. Yeah, book 19. You're well into their junior year. Right. Although, is it perpetually their junior it year? It is perpetually their junior okay. year. Uh-huh. And the coma book really um, was confusing in that regard because she was in the, like, recuperating for, like, a month. Yeah. And so that's a big chunk of time. This particular book takes place over, what, like, a, I don't know, like a week or yeah, so? Yeah, a week or two? Yeah. I mean, a lot happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, I think, if nothing else, Sweet Valley High is a testament to how radically our lives can change in oh. a very short amount of time. That's beautiful. You know, in a New York minute. In a Sweet Valley minute. In a Sweet Valley minute. We should start saying that. Yeah, in a Sweet Valley minute. <laughs> Listeners, start saying that. <laughs> We're going to make that a thing. Mark, you and I can start hashtag. it first. Yeah, or start we a have hashtag. started it now. You've started it. I'm number two. Listener, be on the race to yeah. become number three. Yeah, let's get it up there. Let's get that trending. <laughs> so, well, what do you think? How did Elizabeth strike you? Did she seem like she was in a just recovering from a personality change coma? Well, that changes everything. So, first of all, I'd never read any of these before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read number 19 pretty cold, uh, being introduced to the world of Sweet Valley High. Um, and I found Elizabeth to be pretty much the only sympathetic character that I encountered. <laughs> I really liked Elizabeth. I thought she was awesome. She was independent and smart and like kind of type A. She didn't take any, you know, guff from her, from her twin. Mm-hmm. Um, when there was a problem, she was the one who was going to solve it. Like, and I, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. The storylines kind of converge around Elizabeth having to, uh, figure out how or whether to solve all of these different challenges. Listeners, She's... I am uh, sitting here grinning as if Mark is complimenting me directly. <laughs> because that's how deeply I relate to Elizabeth. Um, as well, listeners are probably aware. Uh, here's a question, though. Um, was she like that before her coma? And yes. when did the coma happen? She was like that before her coma. Oh, okay. And 
immediately after the coma, she was a total crazy bitch. Mm. Like someone else we know that yeah. looks just like. Yeah. Uh, only she was, it was actually cool. She was worse than Jessica. She out Jessica Jessica. Which is, yeah. And forced Jessica into the Elizabeth role because she was so worried about her sister yeah. that she had to muster all of her responsibility to keep things in line. Mm-hmm. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah, but that didn't really take. I mm-hmm. would imagine by the next book, they just kind of reverted to... I mean, I, it, it's as if you have already read the books. <laughs> well, you know what? Before All right, we... I need full disclosure. I've been reading them <laughs> since I was 13 years old, passionately, you know, under the be, pillow with a flashlight. That would be like a Sweet Valley high level of weird, dark secret. Yeah. That you were just that pretending. That I was actually a super fan? Not, yeah, not so much that you had read them when you were young, but that you were so ashamed of it that you oh, had yeah. to pretend like you didn't. Yeah, there's a lot of shame and secrecy in Sweet Valley, which is yeah. interesting that it's so um, ironically named. Well, and then, yes, yeah. and then your shame about mm-hmm. uh, having read the books drives you to this weird place, uh, the edge of sanity yeah. between like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind yeah. of duality. Of I imagine I'm, I've stolen like my, my fabulously wealthy uncle's speedboat and I've gotten somehow into, like, drug running, and, like, maybe there's, like, a helicopter involved. And all the stories you tell people from your life yeah. are really just stories you, you gleaned from reading from Sweet Valley. Sweet Valley High. But now you're on the run from the law. There you right. go. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's great. We figured it out. Figured it out. So... We should talk about the cover of the book. It's so We really should. Good. It's so good. Um. All right. Let's These look at bitches. this thing. Yeah. So, Sorry. we've got a blonde and a brunette. Uh, the blonde has kind of feathered hair and is glaring at the brunette who's looking out at the reader, um, who's kind of looking for approval, maybe, or is dismissing the reader. It's very interesting. Yeah. Like, like the brunette seems to be trying to engage externally, and the blonde is clocking the brunette with um, real malice. Right. So, of course, the blonde is Jessica Wakefield. Yeah. The brunette is Lila Fowler. Um, Jessica and Lila are both dressed sort of dumpily for two glamour queens. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, she's the, yeah, Jessica's, who kind of looks like Debbie Harry. Yeah, and in the book 18 episode, I said that a character named Regina looked just like a young Jennifer Connelly. But, yes! Oh my gosh, Lila looks way more Dead like on. young Jennifer Connelly yeah. than, uh, than Regina does. Uh, straight out of Labyrinth. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm gonna have to post the same uh, picture to Instagram that I did last time. It looks like uh, Jessica's wearing a short sleeve. I, w- I would say that's kind of like a silky yeah, kind of like shirt silk or blouse. blouse. Yeah. It's kind of a teal Green. color. Yeah. And then I think Lila's wearing a gray sweatshirt, which is really weird. That's interesting for her, given that she's so. Oh, but she's wearing pearls. She's wearing. Oh well, that's appropriate. Yeah. Oh, it looks kind of nice. Yeah, maybe it's not a sweatshirt. It's a sweater of but some sort. But it's, uh, you know, sh- but you, it's you're, not what I expected. You're right, though. The power dynamics are just, like, the power poses are interesting. Because yeah. they're both doing a real power pose. They're both both doing power poses. But Lila's looking out at us, uh-huh. whereas Jessica is glaring at Lila. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. There's a... I would rank... Just in looking at that, it looks like Lila is more in a position of authority... Like, if I were to encounter that on the street, I would think Lila was hierarchically 
like in a stronger position than Jessica, who is aspiring or wants something from her. Well, I think that's a very good point, and I think that bears out in the story here. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that doesn't really come up in the book, I don't think, is that Jessica is angry at Lila in the end of the last book for purposefully writing a bad term paper for Jessica. Hmm. Well, come on, Jessica. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but Lila gets on, like you're... a B minus on her own paper yeah, and dance a with D. the devil, you're going to get burned. You know, it's, yeah, she's it's... cheating on a term paper. Right. Like so that's, that's... Whose that's... fault is that, Jessica? Yeah, that's the lesson she should have learned. Yeah. Instead, she learns the lesson that she's going to get Vengeance. back at that, at that witch, Lila. Yeah. And she... Uh, well, maybe that is the right lesson, you know? <laughs> maybe so. No personal accountability. I mean, it Outward seems, to projection. Be, seems to be the lesson Jessica keeps on learning. Go on the attack. So, um, it's kind of Trumpian in her approach. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, Are we allowed to talk politics? Uh, if we're not, we've been breaking that rule <laughs> left and right. Not today, but th- throughout the entire history of this I podcast. I have some thoughts. Okay. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. You don't say. All right, but. But. Uh. Yeah, Lila definitely is the person... The whole friendship between Lila and Jessica is fraught and doesn't even really quite feel like a friendship. Can I... Yeah, I was just going to ask. Can I ask, is this a friendship? It seems absolutely um, not one. (laughs) It seems really conniving and really vicious. And I don't see at any point why or how they work together. Why it doesn't look yeah. like they like each other. Yeah. I think they're enemies. In this book they definitely are enemies, but it does make you think. Um throughout who, the book Who our actual enemies are? <laughs> and how yes, close that. they are in our lives. Throughout the series, there are these three girls that Jessica has this group of girls. It's her, Kara Walker, who is yeah, yeah. consistently C-A-R-A. Yes. Yeah. Consistently referred to as Jessica's best friend. Mm-hmm. And they have this third friend in Lila. But mm-hmm. there is a lot of animosity always between them. Yeah, what's going on with Kara? Can we talk about that? Sure, what do you want to talk about? Well, all about? I know is that she likes to eat. That seems to be like a recurring theme. <laughs> hey, right? She's always she's stealing Lila's like shrimp salad shrimp or shrimp salad. Remember yeah. that? And then like eating macaroni and cheese and then stealing the sandwich. Like there's this whole like undercurrent with Kara. I think they just kind of ran out of ideas for people and they're like, oh, I know. How about a character who likes food? Yeah, I actually think it was just something to have some action in the scene that was oh, happening. Okay. Because generally, Again, that's I'm, not I'm a lacking trait. context of the whole series because yeah. I picked well, up Kara Wink shot- Wink right on number 19 <laughs> and wasn't reading them under my pillow with a flashlight. So I really only know the text I have before me. Kara uh, actually doesn't appear that much in this book. It's mm-hmm. mostly... And, and Lila and Jessica don't interact a whole lot in this book. Hmm. Um, right? I yeah. mean, they're... But they... There's the cafeteria incident. Yeah. There's... Is Kara the one they go to... Um, God, they say it like five times in three paragraphs. The restaurant, the fast food restaurant, where they're getting clam... Clam specials. Yes, listeners, the clam special makes an appearance, Uh, a reappearance in this book. Clam special. I think we need some sort of clam special alarm. Like tracker? Every time the the clam special tracker. Is there a sound that a clam makes that we could, like, every time it comes up in a book, you can ring it? Like, what? Let's make that a thing now. I but Clams. I was pretty happy that the clam special came back up. Yeah, can uh, I find the passage? the clam special always comes back up. Oh, yo. <laughs> uh, but dairy burger, dairy the burger. dairy burger. Yeah, so they they meet up at dairy burger, 
Uh, Jessica made a left turn and headed toward Dairy Burger. And then a couple sentences later, Jessica stated emphatically, pulling into the Dairy Burger. And then one sentence later, oh, listen, Kara informed her, as they entered the Dairy Burger. Like, they really, (laughs) there was like a clear progression of how close they were to the Dairy Burger, which I think is interesting. It's an interesting detail. I don't know how I could have forgotten the Dairy Burger. I thought it was Casey's that had a clam special, but... uh, um, maybe they were making a joke. Maybe it was an inside joke about the clam no, special no. at Dairy Burger. Um, why would you eat clams at a place called Dairy Burger? Can I read a little section Please. of what we're talking about? Listeners, I promise we'll get to what this book is about, but well, come on. <laughs> I promised, I said. And now I think I'll go up and get some food. I'm absolutely famished after that practice. Mm-hmm. They're cheerleading practice. Oh, can you order for me too? Kara asked, sweeping her fingers through her long, dark hair. Why not, Jessica offered. I'll even order for you, Lila. She shot Lila one of her patented fake smiles. What'll it be? Two clam specials? Lila and Kara groaned in unison. Ugh, don't even say that, Jess. Just thinking about those clam specials is dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) We could go on. (laughs) But Lila ends up saying, I'll take a fish sandwich and a tab. Tab. Yes, I and that's how it. we know we're back in the 80s. Yes, yes, so... Yeah, they mentioned Dairy Burger like five more times. It's, <laughs> it's such a specific thing, which I, I don't know, maybe they were thinking in terms of like cinematically, like maybe they were like exterior, you know, Dairy Burger, and then interior, you know, they're just moving us through the progression it's occurring to me right now that Casey's is an ice cream parlor uh, and how fucked up it is that the ice cream parlor is called Casey's and the yeah. burger diner is called Dairy, Dairy Burger. Burger. Yeah. Why? That's very strange. Anyway, though, uh, let's talk about the pool party that starts Let's talk this about book. it. Let's go yeah. back to the beginning. Okay. Book starts. Mm-hmm. Everybody's psyched because there's going to be this big pool party at yeah. Lila's house. But why are they psyched? Because Lila made up this whole pool party specifically to show off this new mystery boy Mm -hmm. named Jack. Jack what? Nobody Nobody knows knows. Jack's last name. Yeah. They use pre-Google. Like, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Lila is really into this boy. And he shows up eventually to this party. He shows up late. Which He's is interesting. Late. Yeah, it's a power move. Yeah. He strides in late, and a lot, everybody's really excited. He's very handsome. He's yeah. Suntanned. Suntanned, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's generally the euphemism for white and handsome in yeah. Sweet Valley. Did he have sandy blonde hair? Uh, I don't know. Hold on. But, you know, it's one of those details that kind of falls by the wayside when all of the boys and men are described as handsome and suntanned. Um, the only distinguishing characteristic is their hair, so I should have oh, paid more attention to you it. No, I it's... just did a search on my Kindle copy, and no results for Sandy Blonde were found. <laughs> All right, hold on. So we've got Jack walking in. Um... Oh, uh, powerful-looking arms, Ooh. handsome face, deeply tanned. Oh, here it is. Honey brown hair. Honey brown. Shot, was shot with sun-lightened streaks. Honey brown and sandy blonde with sun-lightened streaks are kind of the same color. It's kind color. of the same thing, man. It, it's like light brown, but he's kind of like gotten it highlighted. 
That's what it sounds like. He's just been spending a lot of time in the sun working yeah, construction. That's right. He should be wearing a helmet, but yeah. apparently not. But he's too handsome for a helmet. So he's this construction worker that Lila is convinced that there's more to it than that. And yeah. Lila finds out that, yes, there is more to it than mm-hmm. that. He has a really successful father. He's from the East Coast. He doesn't like talking about no. it. No. But he doesn't want his father to find out where like, he is. Do not bring up the East Coast or the West Coast with Jack. He will shut down emotionally. He's, you know, catnip to emotionally insecure potential romantic partners by being so emotionally unavailable. And his line of reasoning or his story that he keeps up is that it's because he's really trying to break away from that life and yeah. he doesn't want to be just. Uh, living to do his father's bidding. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to just have the silver spoon in his mouth. He wants to make his own way. And he knows that if his family found out where he was, that they would kind of force him to come back and follow the path that he's trying to break away from. And he'll he's return like the Buddha, home. in that yes, sense. Yes, yeah, rejecting the, yeah. yeah. He will um, find his way back home once he has obtained enlightenment. Yes. he's Jack is like the white... Southern California Buddha of the 1980s. Or so it would seem. <laughs> but listeners, stay yeah, tuned. Stay tuned. Twist. Um, so If you think you know where this story's going, <laughs> five pages in, you're wrong. <laughs> so um, everybody's pretty impressed with Jack. Yeah, who wouldn't be? But there is one little kerfuffle at the pool party when Nicholas Morrow says That's that, uh, hey, don't. I know you. You look familiar. And that's yeah. when he's like, Oh, yeah. I don't think so, buddy. I don't buddy. think so, bro. Yeah. Yeah. He gets really defensive. And what's interesting, Nicholas, is that the kid's name? Yeah. Yeah. He really persists. Like, which is odd. Yeah. Just like, oh, sorry. I thought you looked familiar. No. He's like, were you on Martha's Vineyard? And he's like, no. He's like, are you buddies with my cousin? No. You know, it's... He asks him maybe like 12 questions, <laughs> which yeah. in Jack's defense, like that would be a little irritating. Yeah. I yeah. told you no, bro. Back off. Yeah. I'm trying to hang out with these two scantily bikini clad babes and you're like up in my grill. Yeah. The two babes being Lila uh-huh. and Jessica, both um, looking hot in their swimsuits. Yeah. Purposefully so. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, like, so that's another thing. This is what I think is really interesting. The only reason Jessica wants to go to this pool party isn't because it's a pool party. It's because she gets a rumor that there might be a hot guy that Lila is interested in. And she's already decided from page two that she's going to steal him. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, we're... And, like, it seems kind of like this manipulative thing that Lila is even having the pool party to introduce Jack as her potential romantic partner. Like, it all is just... You know, two enormous manipulations clashing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're setting this up for trouble. And if we assume that Jack is just a normal boy who Mm -hmm. is who he says he is, it's pretty weird that both of them are mostly, like, obsessed with finding out who he really is. Yeah. It's like when you get... Uh, some kind of a toy where you buy it for the mystery prize inside and you're like so sure that as soon as you get it home you're going to rip it open and it's going to be something awesome. Like that's all they're after. Like they want to find out what's inside that box. They're objectifying him really. Yeah. I mean honestly. (laughs) But speaking of objectification. Yeah please. 
This is from early on in the book. As Jack walked off, Jessica eyed Lila carefully. Her light brown hair was swept up off her face in a becoming French braid. Her shiny black bikini was as skimpy as Jessica's, and Lila's trim figure was almost as good. Almost. Almost, Jessica <laughs> noted. Sorry. <laughs> Jessica shifted her focus as Jack emerged from the cabana in a navy blue racing suit. Oh my god, she thought. The less this guy wears, the better he looks. <laughs> oh god. So, just objectification yeah. left, right, and center. Yeah. She looks almost as good as me in her bikini. Jessica's he looks got better. some body yeah. issues. I mean, no, she thinks she looks better. I mean, yeah, body, okay, that's what I mean. Like, she's everything is about, you know. That bod. Yeah, and yeah. compared to hers and, you know, yeah. projecting outward. I, I'm curious, because that is from Jessica's point of view, like... Who knows what the the reality is? Well, she has Who a knows line. What is the standard of beauty? She has know? a line later in the book where she she kind of repeats this line of thinking. She says, "Why would any guy spend time with Lila when they could be spending time with me?" Yeah, and she that definitely is going to get you into trouble. Yeah, and Jessica. she definitely doesn't mean because of her sparkling personality. I think no. she's talking about like I'm hotter. Well, she doesn't have much well, of a that's personality. What she can't be. <laughs> but and then there's even a line where. Jessica thinks later on in the book, what did Lila have that she didn't? She made a mental list. One, loads of money. Mm-hmm. Two, tons of money. Mm-hmm. Three, piles and piles of money. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sum it all up. Like, that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Jessica, it's how she views Lila, but it's interesting that that's also how she views Jack. Right. Which, like, oh, okay, the only reason he would be interested in her is money, but... Even that's at a point in the book where she doesn't know Jack at all. So it's almost, again, it's that psychological projection of what she values. Well, yeah, and in a weird way, that's also what she sees in Jack. Like, Jessica and Lila both have this weird game that they're playing mentally, like, with themselves. They have this inner struggle between... Well, I love the mystery of Jack and that he's this rugged construction worker. But not initially. They resent it. That's true. And the only reason that I wanted to talk about this, I found like there's this really odd like classist like issue where the second they find out that Jack is working construction, like they both almost reject him. Well, let's talk about that scene and then so that yeah. we can get to that. This actually happens in the party, this super weird oh, right, right, scene right. Okay. where uh, Lila offers to give Jack a tour of the house so that they can be alone together. Mm-hmm. Jessica sees that that's what's happening and volunteers to also go on the tour of the house. Like, oh, yes. I want to see it too. Right. And so just, Lila can't say anything because she doesn't, I don't know why, but she, I guess she feels like she doesn't want to be rude or something. Like she doesn't want to show Yeah, that's interesting, her right? I think it's kind of like a teen girl crush thing. Like, okay. Like, well, I don't know yet if Jack is really interested in me. So I can't make my feelings too obvious, that kind of thing. So they go into the house and then the phone rings, mm-hmm. and it's conveniently the day the servants are away. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Lila's the, the her father is away too, or this party would not be happening, right? Because Mr. As Fowler, most teen parties are. That's true, but Mr. Fowler, do you remember Lila's father? Yeah, he's uh, he's a crusher out there. He's a real bruiser out in the world. Uh, he's got some anger issues. It sounds like yeah, Lila is like really afraid of disappointing him in this book. Like yeah. really afraid. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting part of Lila's I'd like to explore psyche. that. Yeah. 
terror of the father. Like, a lot of them have that in this book. Jack has it, in mm-hmm. a way. But one, or at least he says he does. He says he does. Yeah, he doesn't really, Let's get to that. Okay. <laughs> the reason that Lila is so afraid of her father is not just that she'll be in trouble because she wasn't supposed to have the party. It's because she knows that her dad can't find out about Jack because he won't approve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... Because he's a construction worker. Yeah. At 19... Or 18. Maybe he's 18. Yeah, God forbid. Yeah. He's taking a year off between high school and college and working construction. And the second he says that, both of the women are, like, less interested. And the only reason they come back is because the other one, they want to win over the other one. Right. Right? And he he reveals, I guess, a little bit of his, to each of them. That's why they come back. And then over time, he reveals a little bit more of his his story of what supposedly he has this family back home that he's trying to impress. He's not just a worthless, blue-collar day laborer. Right. He's more than that. I know. It's... It's really upsetting, honestly. Yeah. And the only... Uh, it's it's kind of infuriating. Like, um, can we talk about the date? The initial... The Wednesday date? Are we there yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, oh, I guess the last thing we'll say about that is that Lila goes to answer the phone, and Jessica goes in for the kill. Yeah. She... Uh, gives him her phone number. She like finds a pencil and like no. a matchbook or something. No, no? She bur- oh my god, yeah. yes, okay. It's better, so much more romantic. Like all uh, brief love affairs, she lights a match and lets it burn out, <laughs> and then with the charred matchstick, writes her phone number on a matchbook so that he'll call her. So good. So and good. and he does call her. And he does. It doesn't get smudged, which I thought was the obvious plot twist yeah. coming that he, you know, soot smudges, but it doesn't. You know what, though? This is the 1980s, and there uh, were phone books. There were phone books. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the Wakefields are listed. So he makes a date with Jessica. Yeah, this player. He tells Lila that he can only go out on weekends because he has he to have an work. early night. Because he's working construction. Yeah. He's working those powerful arms. Yeah. But then... So he can't go with Lila until Saturday or whatever. Right. But then... Yeah, he calls her up on Monday, I think. Makes a date for Wednesday. Jessica immediately thinks, that'll give me a two-day head start. Yes. Like, Over damn, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so she gets in there. And they go out on a, a, a very romantic date. Oh my god, what does he say on this date? Uh, Is this the star thing? Yeah, this is the star thing. But what I wanted to bring up, going back to the classism issue, is that we start to see Jessica kind of reevaluating her uh, materialist views. Uh, When he rolls up in a Jeep, he apologizes for it, you know. She's starting to learn that he's only earning his way because he's rejecting his father and the vast amounts of money his father has, and he's trying to make his way in the world, and he's got this dirty car, and it says that she steps into it as if it were a Rolls Royce. So, like, when she thought that there was no financial future in Jack, she was kind of turned off, but the second we find out that he comes from money and is trying to earn a lot of money... That excuses, you know, the rougher elements of him, like, having a dirty car. And it's just like, come on, lady. Well, also, she does undergo this weird, like, slight change in thinking. yes. Where she starts to value 
hard hard work. work. Mm-hmm. But it's all a ruse. She's only trying to use it to get closer to him. She's trying to show people that she's working hard. Yeah, because she does she it even when he's not around. A couple of times, she makes some observations. Yeah. But oh yeah, with the cheerleading, like yeah, I'm captaining. I gotta work hard. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> She's so obnoxious. Um, but so yes, the date. On this date, they go for a walk along the beach. So we should... They've chuckled a few times. Yeah, and Jack is so charming. Like... Uh, uh, we're told. That's what, Oh, that's what I mean. We're told. Yeah, we don't get to see his charm. Yeah, we don't get... Nothing he says is charming, but he chuckles and people are charmed. Yeah, he has a winning smile. He has a very winning smile. Yeah. Um, And topsiders. Apparently topsiders are very charming on 18-year-old boys. He has some real preppy clothes, I will say that. Yeah, for a construction worker who's trying to run away from his um, enormously wealthy past. Oh, in fact, speaking of the preppy clothes, I wanted to point out, just because this exact outfit came up in a previous episode anecdote, Mm. the Mike Yarsky episode. Mike, I hope you're listening. But listeners, hopefully you remember this too. When Jack shows up at the party, he was dressed conservatively in a pair of khaki walking shorts, a Mm. green Lacoste shirt, and topsiders. Topsiders. Those damn topsiders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Topsiders. Always topsiders. But... He has this moment that's just amazing with Jessica on the beach. Do you remember what he does with the stars? I sure do. Do you have it by any chance have that part marked? Uh, do I? I it's it's at pretty the end easy of to chapter find. Four. It's at the end yeah. of chapter four. Oh, that's right. The when, date. When, before I gave this book to you, mm-hmm. I opened it up and took a picture, and like the page that I opened to was this scene. So you might just that's let the so book fall open good. and see yeah. if this is the one it falls to. Oh, yeah. You should read yeah. it, because you're the, you've got the beautiful, charming man voice. Well, thank you. I, uh, here we go. So she can feel his muscles rippling under his... Th- the thin cotton of his shirt as he um, embraces her on the beach looking out at the stars. You're a great storyteller, Jess. Jack said huskily. That that was me being husky, I hope then. Oh, yeah. You're naturally husky, Mark. You're a great storyteller, Jess. Your voice. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that, is that just how you call little boys fat? They got the husky section. All right. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but okay, I, I wanted to clarify I'm, that I don't, yeah, yeah. you are not husky, I'm not but you like have a naturally husky A chubby husky 12 year old. Um, uh, okay, here we go. You're a great storyteller, Jess. This is Alec Baldwin, actually. Jack is Alec Baldwin. Jack! <gasps> it's Jack Donahue! <laughs> Young Jack Donahue. Young Jack Donahue. Okay, this makes a lot more sense. The charm, mm-hmm. the conservative dress. All right. You're a great storyteller, Jess. Jack said huskily, I think I'll name a star after you. He and Jessica looked upward. Every star in the sky sparkled like a cut diamond. Again, with the materialism. That one, Jack proclaimed, reaching his finger out to point toward the star, because it shines more brightly than all the rest. Jessica followed his outstretched arm with her eyes. But, Jack, that's the North Star! Not to me, it's not. Not any longer. Jack caressed Jessica's cheek with his fingertip. From now on, that star is called Jessica, and every time I look at it, I'll think about you in this wonderful evening. Blah, 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 chiseled cheekbones, strong jaw, full mouth. Slowly, gently, he lowered his lips onto hers and took her into a long, lingering embrace. Uh, yay! Just, and you're supposed to imagine the waves crashing and the seagulls. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 Maybe a foghorn. 
Uh, is this helpful? <laughs> <laughs> Just setting the scene. Maybe some seals. Yeah, it was not very romantic before, but now that we've got the soundscape, I'm really feeling it. Maybe in the edit we can combine all those together mm-hmm. underneath, just mm-hmm. softly in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a whole, like, library of sound effects that I can yeah. utilize. <laughs> Maybe we could hear a grunion run, you know, on the little minnows, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, grunion, um, grunion run. So the Jack Scott game... It's a weird game, but... But apparently it works on 16-year-old yeah. girls. So the big conflict <laughs> here that the listeners are kind of taken along for this ride, but we get to see yeah. both sides of the game Jack is playing. Mm-hmm. Jessica is falling for okay. Jack. Yeah. But meanwhile, Lila is falling for Jack. Yeah, poor Lila. And on the weekend, so she goes on a date. Jessica is sure, let's just say, after this date, Jessica mm-hmm. is sure that... Jack will either cancel his date with Lila yeah. or just do it to be nice. Yeah. Like Elizabeth did in a previous book, I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> and then on Monday, um, she finds out that Jack spent the whole weekend with Lila, essentially. That's what Lila's saying. Yeah. Which sounds very romantic. Yeah. Uh, or something. 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 And happened. Jessica's really angry. Um, Elizabeth has been warning Jessica that Jack feels like he's bad Something's news. Off. Jessica's like, Elizabeth, you're just being a hater. Yeah, she's an investigative cub reporter. She's got some intuition. She can sniff out a story. She knows something's up. Yeah. Yeah, that's why um, I like Elizabeth. Speaking of what's going on with Elizabeth, we can yeah. take a, a slight detour into Elizabeth. Yeah, some mystery there, Penny, right? The editor of the Oracle, Penny Ayala, has mononucleosis. <laughs> and can't stay awake longer than a half an hour. So she's home. Getting much-needed rest. Yeah, and Elizabeth has taken over the job of editing the Oracle. Yeah. Really the role she was born for, but it's stressing her out. And add into all of this the mystery of where the cutest ever photos are coming from. (laughs) Can I just say one quick detail that just charmed me is, like, I remember high school yearbook. I remember the high school paper. Mm -hmm. Like, but in this, in 1985, Sweet Valley High, like, the paper is, like, something out of, like, she's basically Catherine Graham at the Washington Post in the 70s. Like, it's described as, like, in the room, like, reporters are, like, clacking away at news like at typewriters yeah. and like you're hearing the like the zip and the bell of yeah. the typewriters and it's like people have got to file these stories it's literally like, an extracurricular but <laughs> as long as they're there in the after school their hour after school it's like hot off the presses hot, like, they're breaking like to the Watergate. bottom of this yeah. yeah they're publishing the pentagon papers at Sweet Valley High. And that level of importance is actually critical to this little B-story thing working. Yeah. Because they get this anonymous photos that they really want to print, but they don't want to print them without Penny's permission. Without attribution. And they have this, they don't want to print them without attribution, but they don't know yeah. whose photos they are, so they can't credit the person, and it's a big deal. But... That somebody is apparently an incredible photojournalist. Yes, who captures all these weird, mo- like, private, personal moments. Like the linebacker kissing his stuffed animal. And it's hilarious and insightful, and we finally right. sympathize with the linebacker, who is a character elsewhere in the series. Do we, does really. he ever come back it's, up again? But he's 230 pounds. So. I don't even remember his name. Uh, I don't know. It's like Buzz something. But yeah, something Buzz thuggy. Moose Man. But th- yeah, Moose. Yeah. Um, Thick. His- He's a thick fella. It's ironic that he would be kissing a teddy bear. His name is Tad Johnson. Tad Johnson. Yeah. Uh, It was a picture of Tad Johnson, a 240-pound linebacker for the Sweet Valley High football team. I was off by 10 pounds. Kissing a tiny teddy bear. 
In the background, Elizabeth could just make out Jessica and the other cheerleaders warming up before a game. Mm-hmm. And then they get one of, like, the Tad principal. Tad was husky. Tad was husky. Um, but he was probably really strong, too. Yeah. So some of that was muscle weight. Oh, yeah. Which weighs twice as much as uh, fat. Uh, and there's something about the principal who is find- looking for something under his desk. That was kind of a lame one. But yeah, I don't remember they that. find these great pictures. Turns out mm-hmm. that Penny's little sister is the one who's been taking the pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Shock. She's ni- in ninth grade. Yeah. And she's got an eye. And she, like, it's weird because she wants the pictures in the paper, but, like, she doesn't think that Penny would ever accept her because she doesn't see her as anything more than her yeah. dumb kid sister. But see, okay, so this is actually a really interesting corollary to the Jack storyline, the supposed Jack storyline, where Jack rejects his, like, supposedly he rejects his privilege to make his way in the world. And yet, like, what's her name? Not Penny. The sister... The little one. Olivia? That's kind of actually what she's doing. She's like, nobody's going to take me seriously because I don't want this to be like a nepotism thing where the publisher of the school paper is publishing her little sister's photos. So I'm going to establish myself on my merit. I'm just going to submit things anonymously. And if people like, if people see that I have an eye, then so be it. And if not, I'll work harder. And I'm like, oh, that's like a legitimate, awesome thing kid. Well, it turns out I didn't know her name either. It was Tina. Ayala. Tina! Yeah. Yeah. She's never appeared before yeah. in this series. And never appears again? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> we don't care about She gets freshmen. picked up by, yeah, National Geographic. And Juniors, seniors, or they're only. dead to us here or, on Sweet Valley. Or people on, on gap years. Yeah. Oh, if they're, if they're out of high school, yeah. they might as well be gods. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting back to Sorry. Jack. Yeah, Jack. Uh, we have... This fucking guy. Yeah, so when Jessica kind of angrily, like, confronts Jack, like, what's the deal? Like, I thought after what happened with us that you maybe were going to break up with Ella. And he's just like, oh, we saw each other. It's like, nothing. He, he, what does he say? Like, we were, on Saturday we hung out yeah. just as friends. And on Sunday we ran into each other at the mall. Like, mm. you're, Lila might see more into it, but, you know, I'll set her straight at some point. And yeah. I love you, Jessica. You're She's amazing. crazy. She's yeah. crazy, babe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. And Jessica falls for that. Yeah. Lila is kind of crazy, as is well, Jessica. Yeah, so yeah, everybody's a little nuts just, in Sweet Valley. Yeah. It's in the water. <laughs> um, and so things just kind of continue in this manner. Um, but then we get this moment as the reader of finding out that when Jack and Lila are together, Jack is actually professing his love for Lila. Yeah. And he does the same Ooh, North Star bullshit with Lila. Oh, it's just, oh, it's heartbreaking. He does the same thing, but he takes it even further. Yeah. He says that they mm-hmm. should get married. Yeah. And they love you. He loves her so much. They should spend the rest of their lives together. Quick question. Um, how old do you have to be to get married in the state of California in 1983? That's that Siri. Okay. Hey, Siri, how old do you have to be to get married in the state of California in 1985? Okay, that's what she does. So, age of consent. Mm-hmm. This probably isn't for 1985. Well, we can, you know, things were weirder back then. Family.findlaw.com well, so my, I'm just curious, because this is never really acknowledged, but I think if we're supposed to assume that they're all juniors, that Lila is probably 16, and Jack is therefore, because he's in his gap year, 
18 or 19. The age of consent is 18 in California. Oh, so see, there's already a structural flaw in what Jack is proposing, unless... And with parental consent, there are no age limits regarding the minimum age, but... She's not going to get parental consent. No, because dad, you know, Papa Lila, whatever her last name is. Fowler. Fowler. Fowler Estates. George Fowler. George Fowler Cliff. So anyway, this isn't going to work, but we don't know that just because we're in the world and everything's fictional. Yeah. And Jack is like, we can't tell anybody yet, which is a a big red flag. Now Lila knows. Big red flag. But it's like everything, he kind of justifies it. Yeah. So at this point, it's pretty much all just like a slide down. Yeah, what are you doing, Jack? Yeah, because Lila is uh, really excited about her fiancé. She yeah. wakes up, and the day that she's supposed to hang out with him, I guess, yeah. it's a Saturday. Yeah. So she's on the week- weekends are Lila time. <laughs> That's how Jack divides his time. Weekends for Lila, weeknights for Jessica. Mm-hmm. And What game are you playing, Jack? Yeah, and doesn't he actually need to go to sleep to get up to go on... I mean... That's the thing that was yeah, this confusing is weird. to me. Yeah. When, when he tells Lila this thing about having to get up early to work, that's true. There, there, there's, yeah, so what are you doing, man? But I guess the date is only, literally, like, if you could break it down, the date that he went on on Wednesday with Jessica is literally picking yeah. her up, talking to her parents for ten minutes, mm-hmm. driving ten minutes to the beach, within a page and a half, naming a star after her, and then driving her home. These dates could be going on for, like... 32 minutes. Well, also, I'm told that cocaine is a hell of a drug. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the twist. (laughs) So, or speed, maybe. Mixed. Yeah. Mixed drugs. Um, Mixed (laughs) cocaine and speed mixed together with, like, a heroin chaser. Or... And Adderall. Just some pills. Yeah. Snorting Adderall. Yeah. Doing some heroin. Yeah, yeah. He's got some sort of... I don't know where... He's keeping it in some secret jacket pocket. I don't know. But we'll get to there very soon. Um... Lila wakes up. She's really sick. Yeah. She's got the 24-hour flu, she yeah. says at one point, which I thought was, like, plot device. Twist. Yeah. Although yeah. it doesn't matter, because she Lila's out of commission now once she gets the flu. She yeah, has to cancel to her day with Jack. Yeah. She's shunned. Yeah. Yeah. And... She tries to get out of bed. Nothing's going to stop her from this night. And then... Yeah. Doesn't she, like, immediately pass out or something else happens? Her Her maid comes in yeah, and is, the housekeeper comes in and is right. like, bitch, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah. She doesn't literally say that. She's, like, a pro- very I proper I wish she woman. had. Yeah. She's a very proper woman yeah. who has, like, the fire of a Roman emperor or something. <laughs> and uh, she has to cancel her date. Yeah. So Jessica gets Gates a phone call. Yeah. yeah. Jessica doesn't know. Jessica thinks at this point Jack has, has called things off Broken with Lila. Broken things off, yeah. He Not told her gotten he engaged. Yeah. And Lila hasn't had a chance to t- well, tell anybody because, well, it's a secret anyway. No, it's a secret. It's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. yeah. Jessica and Jack go out to a romantic dinner at Guido's. Is that, oh, is it Guido's? It is Guido's. Do they say Guido's 12 times like they do Dairy they Burger? They sure do. Yeah. They don't want you to forget where they are. And yet, I forgot. And damn, this pizza that they eat mm-hmm. sounds very indulgent. It's got like... Shall I find it? Five kinds of it? cheese. Yeah, find it. Sticky cinema floor. Hmm. <laughs> what is the sticky cinema floor? Yeah. Jessica was on her hands and knees on a sticky cinema floor. Where's that going? Oh, we didn't even say that earlier on in this book, uh, Jessica's wallet gets stolen. 
Oh, yeah, that's critical. That's what happens in that beach date. Yeah. Jessica's, Jessica, when she's out with him, her, her wallet gets stolen. And also, uh, one of the things that got Lila in trouble with her father after the party was that his cufflinks were missing. So there's just some weird little yeah. little color. It probably doesn't have anything to do with anything, Dear but I just want you to know that, uh, right. listeners. So at the very beginning of chapter 11, Jessica helped herself to the last piece of the Guido's Deluxe Pie, smothered in tomato sauce and mozzarella cheese, and heaped with six different toppings. Oh my goodness. And um, she gives it a 9.9 rating, Mm -hmm. and he's like, what happened to the other tenth of a point? Jessica daintily licked the sauce from her fingers. Well, nothing's perfect, she joked. Except maybe you, she added silently. Jack looked especially handsome that afternoon, wearing a dark brown crew neck sweater over a wheat tone button down shirt <laughs> that complemented the color of his tiny. Oh, wait. That complemented mm. the color. <laughs> I skipped a line. That complemented the color of his hair. Every time Jessica looked at him, tiny ripples of ecstasy washed up and down her spine. Jesus. I, that's the reason that I highlighted Ooh, this passage. Yeah. Tiny ripples of ecstasy running up and down your <laughs> spine is something that does not happen when you look at a boy wearing a wheat tone button down. <laughs> Over a No matter a how pizza. much you love him. And I'm a little bit concerned about Jessica at this <laughs> Medically, point. Medically? At this point? Medically. I mean, I guess. Hormones. I guess so also a hell of a drug so while they're at guido's is when things start to turn a little funky yeah things get a little weird right yeah because nicholas morrow walks in they're enjoying a great time every time he smiles jessica falls in love with him all over again yeah yeah, tiny 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 spine spine ripples yeah yeah and nicholas walks in with some boy that we've never heard of before who has red hair yeah and jack immediately like tenses up and has like it's described as like a twisted grimace on his face and starts acting weird and Jessica's like trying to figure out what but he's just brushing it off yeah yeah she waves the guys over oh no yeah yeah and Jack is like I gotta go pay the bill I'll meet you outside in the car yeah and she's like this is fucking weird okay (laughs) but she goes she's like sorry some people are waiting I got somebody waiting for me and goes outside and Jack explains it away like I think that guy that was with Nicholas, with someone who knows me, and he'll tell my father. I'm so sorry. Yeah. He okay. regains his composure. Right. Then he tells a romantic story about scuba diving. Does it? Is that where that happened? He, whatever it is, it's a, a great odd job at deflecting. Yeah, and he comes up with this really good uh, way to get Jessica back to his place. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I really want to show you these pictures from a scuba diving trip I took. Yeah. He's like, come see my etchings. <laughs> And she's like, she has this funny moment where she thinks to herself, it would be weird to go home with a boy you've only known for a couple of weeks. But Nicholas has started talking about uh, what is going on with Jack, right? Yeah. Well, right after. Oh, right after. Right after Jessica agrees to leave with Jack and go Mm -hmm. to his house. Mm-hmm. is when Nicholas starts talking to his buddy. Yep, that's it. Nicholas is about to drop some news. Nicholas starts asking questions to his friend, whose name is Dave Matson. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave and Nicholas went to boarding school together on yeah, the East Coast yeah. to prep school. And Nicholas tells Dave, I think that this guy that Jessica was with looked familiar, but I can't place him. Look, did you recognize him? And then Dave Metzen can't quite place him until Nicholas says that his name was Jack. 
Mm-hmm. And then... Nicholas, he croaked. He, after his freckled face went as white as a nurse's uniform, Oh Nicholas. my gosh, you just found it. That's the forced metaphor of the week. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Dave's face went as white as a nurse's, nurse's uniform. uniform. Nicholas. Nicholas. He croaked. Is that a croak? Mm-hmm. Croak, Nicholas. What did you say his name was? Nicholas noted the look of alarm in his friend's eyes. It's, it's Jack. I, I don't know his last name. You were right. David said, his voice in a frightened whisper. He did go to school with us, but he got kicked out. And your friend, Jessica, may be in big trouble. Basically, there was this event that happened, like, right after Nicholas started school. An event? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Jack um, robbed a girl at knife point? A Mm -hmm. girl he'd been dating? In fact. In fact. And then he gets kicked out of school. The girl uh, never filed charges. A lot For of, some reason. Yeah, and it says a lot of strange stories started going around about him after that incident at yeah, school. Yeah. And that's the part that I, I want to read about the, the backstory for Jack. Yeah, let's do that. Look, from what I can piece together, he was something of a modern-day Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Most of the time, he was a great guy. Nice, polite, the kind of person everybody gets along with. But every so often, he'd just go wild and lose control of himself. Why? Nicholas wanted to know. Yeah, it's a sad story, David began. It seems Jack's entire family was killed in a boating accident a few years before he came to school. I sorry, I should have given a trigger alert. Oh, I wanted yeah. the audience to be triggered. Um, there, we will be discussing uh, ridiculous tragedies. Yes. So there was a sister, a younger sister, I think, whom he. Oh, well done, David. Whom he was particular. Whom. But why doesn't he say to whom he was particularly close? Yeah, Dave, because they're kids. He's (laughs) he's learning. It says whom he was particularly close to. Yeah, come on, guys. Anyway, rumor has it that from the day they died, Jack started escaping into his own little fantasy world Mm -hmm. where his sister was still alive and where Jack could be anything he wanted to be. Which brings us back to previous conversations in which the only time Jack was revealing about himself... And not, like, avoiding questions was when he talked lovingly about his little sister. sister like, Valerie. Veronica Valerie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He talks about Valerie a lot. The whole situation got worse when his uncle, whom he'd been living with okay, <laughs> since the accident, scraped up enough money to send him away to school. That was about a year and a half before you arrived, David explained. Anyway, you know how many wealthy kids there were up at school? It was more of a statement than a question, Nicholas himself coming from a well-to-do family. Well, it seems that in Jack's fantasy world, he saw himself as even richer and more important than they were. He started telling people stories about himself. Pretty soon, I'm not sure even he knew what was real and what wasn't. Wow, that's pretty heavy stuff. (laughs) So, honestly, we could go on and on. Yeah, I'm sorry, I get carried away. No, no, I had all that highlighted. I wanted to get it out there. It's amazing. So Jack is a madman, and Jessica is on her way to his house, but nobody knows where Jessica's going. Right. So now there's this big mad hunt to find her, and they try to find Elizabeth, and they they eventually track down Elizabeth. Elizabeth calls Lila, and Lila's like, Jack's with who now? Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? But Elizabeth's like, you know what? He's not who you think he is. He's actually a A murderer. Just a crook. He says he's 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 like a lying crook. Yeah. And Lila turns very cold and is like, 
Mm. He lives at 334 <sighs> Elm Street or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, very... Yeah. And she's like, tell Jessica I said she did me a favor. You know, it's like... Ooh, yeah, it's yeah. like a... It's like a really good... And that's the, that's the end dun, of the dun, story. Dun. And so then... Yeah. Everybody races to the house. On Elm Street. Yeah. And or... <laughs> there's this hilarious interchange with this guy who lives maybe it is Elm Street actually that he lives on that's appropriate would be appropriate yeah because yeah. a nightmare is happening there inside <laughs> Jack's house where Jessica um like makes the mistake of bringing up his past and he gets a little funky she excuses herself to go to the bathroom and when she comes out he's going through her purse and he's like, no, I can explain. I needed a match to light the stove because I was going to make us tea. And she's holding this box in her hand. She's like, why didn't you tell me about this? And it's mm. a box of drugs. A mixed drugs. Yes. She opens this box <laughs> and it's like every kind of drug yeah. is in the box. Yeah. And uh, that was also part of Jack's story is that like he supposedly had just been swimming in a chlorine pool and that's why his eyes were bloodshot at one point in the story. An unmarked rectangular box. Drugs. All kinds of drugs. <laughs> and not the prescription kind she was hoping to find. There were pills of all different colors and sizes. A jar of whitish powder. A plastic bag full of marijuana. Pipes, rolling papers, and various other accessories that Jessica couldn't even begin to identify. But she knew trouble when she saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she knows it now. I mean, yeah. she didn't know it before. I think it's not true that Jessica knows trouble when she sees it. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so Jack's just on every drug. Mm -hmm. It should be noted that the reason Jessica was rooting around in the bathroom was because she was hoping that she would find a prescription pill bottle that had his last name on it. Yeah, because she still doesn't know his last name. Yeah, she wants to know who he is. Right. You know, she wants to know what his what, which rich family he comes from. Mm -hmm. And but now things go really, really dark, really oh, fast. Oh, jeez. And basically, I mean, to make a long story short, Jack is essentially going to kill her. Yeah. Because she knows too much. Yeah, and he, with a knife, he, right? Yeah, he's yeah. got this knife. He can't keep on going from place to place. He's can't live this a lie. Yeah. yeah. He's had, he's got a good thing going here in yeah. Sweet Valley. So, you know, he is going to, like... Slice her up, I guess. Yeah, slice her up and uh, move on. And move on uh, to Lila, after, get married. After, yeah, I guess so. After Elizabeth, I mean, but he's gonna have to wait two years. But whatever, maybe he'll hold George <laughs> Fowler at knife point. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so after Elizabeth and her friends like break through this this guy that she again yells one at, of the benefits of having like a crack journalist uh, on in the family, like an investigative reporter, <laughs> as your twin sister. When there is mystery around, like, that's a good thing to have. Yeah, but Elizabeth pulls the funniest card because when this guy won't tell her if somebody who it looks like the man she's describing lives there, yeah. she's like, um, what do I look like? And she's like, you look like the meanest, rudest man that ever <laughs> lived. And then she, like, pushes her way inside. It's yeah. like, and she throws a fit, okay. which I feel like would probably be effective if you're a 16-year-old girl. I suppose, girl. yeah. But... She's not worried about being effective. She's just overcome with emotion. Okay. You don't think it's a tactic. You think it's... I don't really, Yeah, no. you think it's She's a genuine thing. She's afraid for Jessica's life. Yeah. I don't... I'm surprised that they jumped to that conclusion, but... Uh, but it was the right one. It was the right one. And then the book is basically over. Like, yeah. they arrest Jack. Right. And what and did we... Jessica learn? Jack nothing. <laughs> Yeah, appropriate. Yeah. She learns Jack. 
And she goes back to being a horrible, snotty, uh, privileged girl. Yeah, they even tell her that she was the heroine of the day. What? I don't remember why, <laughs> but... Oh, also, Nicholas Marl gets a knife to the shoulder. Oh, oh, so yeah, So he's the hero, Nicholas. seems to me. Yeah, we're you know, a victim. Does well, victimhood make you a hero? No. I mean, he's kind of a... All right. But they were able to be... I think David is the hero. Yeah. Well, but but not really. He doesn't do anything. He just... He, he provides he has information. information. Yeah. He's just an expository, like, messenger character. Yeah. Um, I think Elizabeth is the hero. I think she deserves a Medal of Honor. I think... Um, you know, she's the only likable, relatable character. She's faced with moral conundrums right and left. We didn't even talk about the whole potential, well, yeah, plane thing. Let's maybe go in now to yeah. the section of the podcast where we talk about boys. Oh, right, boys. He's a beautiful boy, he's a beautiful boy. I think we should use the section of the podcast where we talk about boys today to focus on one boy in particular whose name mm-hmm. is George Warren. George Warren. George, uh, he's a bad actor. He wasn't before, but now he is. Yeah, what happened to George? What do you remember about George? George is in flight school mm-hmm. because apparently in Sweet Valley High, 18-year-olds can fly planes. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's what happens when you're very wealthy. And who is he? He's dating uh, Enid. Enid, who is Elizabeth's best friend. Yeah, so and so he's in. They get he's together in. in like the second book of the series. Like they're it's a long term, seventeen books worth too. relationship. Mm-hmm. Like kind of bland. They're at the pool party, and he's like, "Oh, I'm at the pool." Yeah, and I guess we're supposed to like already <laughs> like him for some reason, I guess so. but I just thought he was like a total chode. Yeah, we don't know too much about it. We don't know. He's just kind of awful. Um, and Enid's, like, nuts about him. Yeah. And... Elizabeth gets one of the pictures from Tina Ayala. Yeah. And it's of a romantic embrace. But what Tina doesn't realize is that the romantic embrace is between two people that are cheaters. (gasps) Two cheaters. Two cheaters. It's George Warren and Robin Wilson. Robin. Uh, interesting side note about Robin. There's, like, some weird dig about her, like... Used to be fat. Used to be fat, and that's, like, she was a good writer when she was... Before she lost all that weight. Yeah, once she lost the weight, she got caught up in uh, cheerleading. Boys. Yeah, and you're like, what? (laughs) You just can't win. Poor Robin Wilson just cannot win. Yeah. But then also now she's a cheating bitch. She's a cheating bitch, but, you know, like, okay, I'm not not gonna go too far defending them, but I do want to offer an alternate perspective, like... Are they in love? Yeah. You know? No, I know. It's you just know, more fun like, if we say that she's a cheating bitch. Yeah. But they, what they should villains. have done, the dumb thing that Couldn't they, they did just communicated? Yeah. So They'd Just be like, hey. George and Robin it. are in love, but the problem is that they seem to have be acting on their love yeah. in a physical way before, before ending things with their respective partners. Which is a little shitty. Yeah. A little? I mean, I don't know to what extent. Because the picture is just of hugging. Oh, and uh, right. isn't it? Isn't it just a hugging? Yeah, picture? it's not like yeah, it's not like uh, and Elizabeth Gary sneaks, Hart on the monkey business, right? So he Elizabeth sneaks to the pilot school graduation, <laughs> which apparently all these kids are in pilot school, which and is awesome. She's hoping that she's 
just reading too much into this photo. Yeah. But then she sees Robin yeah, and there's George. chemistry. They're even, like, they're next to each other yeah. in line, and she's just like, oh, but their last name's supposed to start with W, so it makes sense that they're next to each other. Yeah, she's okay. looking for any excuse. Yeah. But you know, you know when people have slept together. Like, when you see them together, and you're like, did they? Oh, no, they did. They're just like, <laughs> the way they position their bodies, the fact that she's, like, touching his upper arm, it's like, oh, I can put the pieces together, I know there's history there. Like, that's... Elizabeth isn't an idiot, and she knows. Well, she does know, and she's right, because she confronts them, much to her credit. She doesn't want to, but she does anyway. Mm -hmm. And they tell her, like, Liz, I know this sucks, but we have fallen for each other. Like, we've fallen in love. And Robin does say that that morning she woke up with Alan, or told the news to Alan, and... George says that he really wanted to take Enid on his first flight. Because he made a promise. Yeah, which is yeah. nice. Well, and he's going to break it to of, her. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of an excuse, right? Like, Well, it turns in. I mean, you're kind of presaging book 20 here, but it uh, does turn into a big excuse where George is so concerned with hurting Enid's feelings that he um, doesn't... It's like he, he really wants to avoid it, which is understandable. Understandable. Who wants to be the bad guy yeah. in Sweet Valley High besides Jack? Yeah. Yeah. Jack loves to be the bad guy, but yeah. he doesn't want you to know that he's the bad yeah. guy. It's not a weird shame in this. Uh, the characters have so much shame. Yeah. It's really um, sad. I mean, yeah. I wish they could just communicate openly with each other. You know? That would be nice. Be that like, would be really nice. Hey, it kind of hurts my feelings, Jessica, that you're pursuing the same boy as me. I was really into him. But you know what? Let's both be mature about this. Let's see. Let's communicate with Jack. See what he wants. Well, communication would solve most problems in Sweet Valley, as I have often said on this podcast, and have started saying in my real life more and more often, (laughs) when I am spotting a problem in, like, a friend or loved one's life that's based on... talked about it? Yeah. It's based on (laughs) them having a feeling that they're not expressing to another person, and it's like, you know what? Probably telling them that this is how you feel would help uh, at least keep from this constant cycle of acting out of your suspicions rather than real facts. As Richard Schiff once told me, the truth is always good news. That's beautiful. I don't know if that's actually true, but... Uh, probably not. I mean, not when the truth <laughs> is Enid, I've fallen in love with Robin Wilson. But ultimately, like, a year later, like, looking back, yeah, it's gonna sting, but also, like, Robin, move on. That's very You're wise. You're a good writer. You're a pilot. You know... All the guys are interested in you. Like, move on. George is a dope. Yeah. Are you saying Robin should move on or Enid should move on? Oh, both. (laughs) All the boys are not interested in Enid, I'm afraid. But uh, she can can find a good guy. She can find a good guy. Jessica is really a bitch to Enid in this book. Yeah. Right? Isn't this the one where... Yeah. You know? Um, But Jessica's always a bitch to Enid. Before we finish the boys section, I just want to do a quick update on Neil Fremont. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been talking about this Neil Fremont guy for the past few books. Who is he? What's he all about? Yeah. Here's a little bit of a of a glimpse uh, when Jessica is thinking about hitting on uh, Jack at the pool party before the pool party happens. I don't remember. Elizabeth says, "And what about Neil Fremont?" Oh yeah. Neil, he and I are just good friends. Jessica replied. I mean, sure, he's taking me to this party, but he doesn't mind if I spend time with other guys. Oh, I bet he does. Just like, I don't mind if he hangs around with other girls. He never does, Elizabeth Uh said, certainly. So, that's what's happening. Neil Fremont thinks that he and Jessica are dating. Jessica doesn't think that she and Neil Fremont are dating. Communication, guys. Communication. Can we talk about this? Um, So, we know, just from statistics, that, like, what is it? 
10 to 20% of the population is gay, like just biologically. Oh. Right? Um, Sorry, there wasn't an O to that statistic. Yeah, no, no, but no, no. like That's all we're talking about. How do we apply it to it? Sweet Valley High? Like, if this is a real world. Yeah. How many of these characters are closeted? How many of the issues that they're facing comes from a lack of communication and a lack of identity and a lack of acceptance? Yeah. You know? Like, what's. Can we. I don't know if that's. Can I don't we, have enough information no, to talk we about can it, talk but about I just it, but want to put that out there into the I think that, Sweet Valley Diaries universe. I think it's a very, it's something that we have talked about on the oh, podcast okay. a little bit before, okay. and I don't know how much to say. I mean, we could have a fun conversation about, like... Yeah. like but is it canon? <laughs> is it canon? Mm-hmm. Is the people that end up being gay in Sweet Valley Confidential, is that canon? Because oh. that's something that did happen. Mark and I talked about Sweet Valley Confidential earlier today, yeah. where to update it for modern readers, but some of her choices are a little bit suspect. Francine yeah. Pascal's choices, yeah. I think. Uh, not They wouldn't be the people that I would choose. But let me just say that then we get into this weird place of, even though they're fictional characters, right. like what is it about them that we're like trying yeah. to, to name them? Why are we trying to identify exactly and so i know that i know it's just fiction it's just these silly books and it would be fun to be like when my guest mike was on a few weeks ago and he was saying that he was reading uh there's a line where george is looking at bruce patman's bathing suit and he's like look at that tiny thing or something and mike is like i read that as a very like as like salivating yeah yeah yeah. and that's i mean that's not just male judgment right and if if george were gay that would put a whole new spin on this whole thing like yeah he's repressed so he's doing this whole like yeah 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 like oh robin and i get along better Mm -hmm. like I'm stuck in this weird place with Enid where maybe she's going to pressure me to, like, why aren't we moving faster or further after we've been together for most of a year? Mm -hmm. We're 16 now. Like, let's try some new stuff. And he's, like, not into "Ah, it. I need to switch over to the formerly fat girl. Like, maybe she will understand my pain. It actually kind of tracks. It tracks. I buy that. Yeah. Um, Also, uh, if we're talking 10 to 20% of the population is gay... In Sweet Valley, um, it seems like 5 to 10% of the population is a werewolf later on. <laughs> um, just looking at like the titles that come later in the series. Mark is alluding to uh, a copy of the, the highest numbered Sweet Valley High novel that I have, which is 128. It's called Kiss of a Killer. Yeah. And which in the I think back- I'm, I'm guessing he's a vampire. Uh, the killer. Yeah. He looks Just on the cover, the cover of the book. He's kind of like leaning into her neck he's and it's like, all sensual. And... Yeah. He's ogling. On the cover of the book 128, Kiss yeah. of a Killer, the books change a lot as the series yeah, this un- is rolls out. This late 90s slick. Cool surfer dude who looks kind of like Ryder Strong with a cross necklace on is looking at this girl he's holding in her in. arms and... Um, he's really staring hard at her neck, her like clavicle. into that neck. And I also want to throw in a detail if anybody has that out there to pay attention to the uh, encroaching mob on the beach. There are two dudes in that mob who are wearing ski masks and have glowing eyes. And I don't know if that's just a, an accident from the artist or if that tells us something about the plot. Um, listeners, I'll post a picture of this book oh, okay. on Instagram at yeah. Sweet Valley Diary so that you can see what it looks like. <laughs> but we were just looking at it earlier because I was talking about how this series goes on beyond 128, but that's the highest number in my possession right now. Hmm. And there were some titles in there that just yeah, uh, stood out. Okay, so um, here we go. 105, A Date 
with a werewolf. 106. Beware the Wolfman. <laughs> super thriller. <laughs> oh, um, super thriller, sure. Yeah. A Deadly Christmas. This is great. They just get kind of, they, they get darker and darker. Well, there's a the whole evil twin Christmas thing that happens yeah. with oh, yeah, yeah, the a character evil named Margot. Number 100, the evil twin. Magna. They saved that for like the centennial copy. Listeners, I'm curious if anybody listening to this only read these later books. Because these came out in the mid-90s, like the series was getting further along. And so they were more, I don't know... I guess they were trying to be edgy in a different way. I mean, Buffy the Vampire Pyre Slayer was out. And yeah. Like, they, I mean, how much teen romance can you regurgitate book after book after book? Like, it feels like once you get to 104, like, good lord. A beautiful boy is a beautiful boy is a beautiful boys. Mark. Yes. While I would love to talk book titles with yes, you all day long, mm-hmm. I think that what we need to do now as an order of business, is to talk about whether you are a Jessica or an Elizabeth. I'm an Elizabeth. 100%. All right. Yeah. Well, that was easy. Is there any question? Like, come on. She's awesome. She... I'm not saying I am, but these are just <laughs> qualities to which I Well, Elizabeth I would also not say that she was awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, aside from the time when she had a coma and out Jessica, Jessica, like, I just kind of feel like... Which you didn't know about before I didn't today. know about until, like, 10 minutes That's into your story. The, the podcast. Um, I feel like Jessica's got some, well, all right, you know what? Jessica's insecure. She's uh, trying to um, overcompensate for that insecurity. You know, she only thinks very highly of herself. I Maybe there's something relatable to that, where you're like, oh, how do we, how do we manifest our insecurities mm-hmm. out in the world? But I think Elizabeth just, she's got her head on her shoulders. She's, you know... Cracking away at the news. she. I see her, like, going to work for the New York Times. Or maybe, you know, like, she maybe the Atlantic. She's, mm-hmm. uh, maybe she's a war correspondent 30 years from now. Like, in 2018, I think she's, you know, maybe she's the one breaking the news on Trump's finances. You know, after mm-hmm. an 18-month uh, research project for the yeah, New York Times. Yeah, she's been, like, up to her eyeballs in it for, like, the past two years. Yeah, she's she's breaking corruption mm-hmm. in Washington. And I think Jessica has retreated to Orange County. She's gotten some work done. She's on her fourth husband. And uh, she's, no matter how confidently she projects herself, she's deeply troubled underneath and is past the point where she can be fixed. I think Jessica could uh, be a good real housewife. She could be a real good housewife. I mean, adult Jessica. A real, a good real housewife. Yeah. yeah. Adult Jessica. And uh, without, uh, she's wearing a MAGA hat, you know, like she's one of the rich MAGA hat wearers, I think. Mm. And I think Elizabeth is, you know, uh, she's gonna she's gonna step away from politics to be like Elizabeth Warren's, you know, like press secretary. Yeah, and to Jessica's face, they constantly have an argument about yeah, politics. Totally. But as soon as anybody talks shit about Trump supporters and mm-hmm. how they just can't relate to them and they hate them and right, right, this right. like liberal Elizabeth thing that we do, in. where yeah, Elizabeth yeah. jumps in and is like they're not all like that. Like they have a point, which is a I mean, it's a 
Yeah, like we need to hear their side of it, so I'm going to do another expose on Trump supporters in rural Pennsylvania. Or what might be even more Elizabeth is if she's totally on that bandwagon until Until. it's directed at Jessica. (laughs) And then she's like, no, but Jessica has her her own reasons. Yeah, in Sweet Valley High, number 716, like I think they get into that. She's like, her second husband was a coal miner. You don't understand. Right. She has sympathy. Yeah. And maybe that's what will bring the country back together. You know? Oh, I would like that. That would be nice. You know? Yeah. We're being torn apart. I I mean, since I... have this platform, such as it is, of the yep. podcast, I guess I'll say, I think that um, as much as I find it difficult often to relate to, especially the president who I find reprehensible, and many of people who support him, I don't think that shutting down lines of communication and being constitutionally unwilling to listen to other people's perspectives mm-hmm. is an effective way to have anything change in the country. If Uh, I think we can go back to what you were saying about the recurring theme that you're drawing from Sweet Valley High, which is uh, communication. And if we know anything, a lack of communication leads to sabotaging your friends' relationships and hiding drugs in a box, saying cheesy lines Mm -hmm. on beaches in an effort to win people over when you're being insincere. I think if these characters had just communicated, you know... Maybe the maybe America would uh, not be so polarized. We as a country need to stop hiding our drugs in a box under the sink. Yeah, and just talk. And just, just talk it out, guys. Mark, thank you so much for joining me Thanks today. Thank um, uh, Listeners, uh, thank you for listening. Yay. Um, I would love to have a review of the podcast on iTunes. Or even just a rating, which is so quick and easy to do um, from your mobile device. It's very helpful. The show doesn't have a ton of ratings mm-hmm. yet. Uh, but I know that you're listening, and I really appreciate it. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Sweet Valley. And um, I guess I want to say I've been a little bit hard on Twitter over the past several episodes. <laughs> and I realized this actually taught me something about myself, that rather than just be angry at mm-hmm. Twitter for maybe being a source of a lot of kind of poisonous rhetoric, that I could actually try and put something positive out into it since I was unwilling to remove okay. myself from it. Yeah. So my own account, my last name, at Flaxbart, what I've been doing for the past week or so here and there is um, tweeting stories about... Uh, strangers that I meet, which is something hmm. that happens to me a lot. I have an interactions with strangers. Strangers talk to me. And so I have been doing that. So you can follow me at Flaxbart. And, uh, of course, on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries. Send me an email, sweetvalleydiaries at me.com. And, Mark, you got anything people need to check out of your, your stuff? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I've got a uh, thing coming up with LA Theater Works that's going to be broadcast on... Well, I guess it'll be... Before this podcast is released, but it should still be available online, it's a play that we did called Spill about the Deepwater Horizon. It's got a really great uh, group of actors involved. And that's going to be something online? Yeah, it'll great. be a radio play that's online and being broadcast. On cool, I can put a link to it in the show notes cool. for the episode. Yeah. thanks. And voting. Is this going to be coming up before the election? No. Okay, well, um, vote uh, in 20... 20- 2020. This is the first uh, radio plea <laughs> you will hear to vote in the upcoming election in 2020. Vote in 2020. Vote and in 2020. anytime. Thanks so much. 
Do these kids go to classes? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, okay. 